0: Welcome to the Harry Man Show number fifteen, where I wish I could juggle sticks like Chip. Today we have a <laughs> today we have a special guest, Chip Ritter. You probably know him from uh, his clinics, his lessons. He's a big part of the drum industry. He's always supportive of other foundations. and Endorses some really cool companies. How you doing, Chip? I'm doing good, man. Thank you. I appreciate being on. Oh yeah, same. Likewise, thank you. So, tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now, currently, Chip, in the current climate uh right now i'm uh teaching drums and
1: playing with the church praise band nice and uh working on a book and uh working on a couple other projects uh tap, which is a drummers teachers network that i've started oh nice um pretty excited about that stuff
0: mm-hmm. now your book is that a, a educational book or a biography?
1: Well, I got a, I've got a, I've got two DVDs on Mel Bay and a book that I wrote called snare force one. And that snare force one is a book that was written to be a bridge between the kids and band to help them learn how to sight read music faster and to cheat in marching band and get better, <laughs> faster. Nice. And then it also turns into a book that I, I spent about four years working with Todd Carrasco on it from mm-hmm. Denver. And, uh, we, we, we have in the back section of the book a bunch of heater exercises from the drum corps world, so it's like the, uh, the super beginning and then highly advanced book that, that kind of helps people learn how to read music.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Where did, you, did you have a drumline background coming up?
1: Yeah, I was in all kinds of high school, all the marching bands, all the, all the bands that they let me in in school I was in.
0: All right, well, well, we'll back up a little bit. What got you in the drums in the beginning there?
1: Man, I, I just, I was thinking about that before this interview. I was thinking, you know, sometimes I get confused whether it was my brother's marching band or animal, the Muppet. <laughs> and what I think happened was I saw my dad brought me into the living room to watch buddy rich and animal on a Muppet show. And I think it was all over from there. Yeah. And the combination of seeing my brother's marching band, you know, I was always told to keep it quiet and calm down and be quiet and be quiet and be quiet. Cause I was always beaten on stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we went to see my brother's marching band, and the drum line was just this thunderous, ro- roaring, loud thing. And I looked up, and my parents were smiling and clapping, and I thought to myself, that's okay. I'm too loud, but that's okay. And then I thought, <laughs> I have to be a drummer.
0: Yeah, and uh, not to interrupt you there, but when I watch your videos, I, I see a lot of Buddy Rich there. Thanks,
1: man. I appreciate it. I love Buddy Rich. I'm still a... Uh, I'm still, I, I go through phases watching Buddy Rich, you know what I mean? Sometimes I get really into him again, mm-hmm. and then sometimes I just get so discouraged that I just stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that one. And I, I see a Gene Krupa as, as far as the entertainment kind of outlook on it, like the oh, showmanship. Oh, man,
1: yeah. I, I love Gene Krupa. I discovered Gene Krupa and Buddy Rich, at, you know, when I was on a cruise ship in 1998 playing with a country band. We had a lot of uh, drummers from North Texas and Berkeley come through the show band. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids that were graduating college between gigs mm-hmm. and they turned me on to some of the old swing drummers. And I just my mind was blown when I started looking into those guys and how good they were. I, I still think that Gene Krupa is underrated as far as the current drum world goes. Oh, yeah. You know, there's, there's not much info on him that I think there should be more.
0: Yeah, there's a movie he did in the 60s or 50s. right? I forgot the name of it, but it kind of put him in the mainstream there. A, yeah man
1: yeah he 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 did a lot of he did a lot of matinees shows he was a, he was a matinee idol at one time.
0: Yeah I remember that. It was him taking on An apprentice. I have to re- go back and research it but I kind of want to watch it now.
1: Yeah it's cool stuff man and and you got to remember he was playing an unmiked
0: kit with a 19 piece band. Yeah you know so those guys were hitters too. Yeah you got to you got to project at that point. So fast forward, did you start to go into the, the the rock band thing towards your high school years or was that? Yeah.
1: in, in, in in high school, I was in different original rock groups. You know what I mean? And then I left, I left high school. I was in the college jazz, a junior college jazz band. And then went on to, you know, different rock bands and and did my thing until about 19, until about 1992 when I hit bottom as a, as an alcoholic drug addict,
0: oh, using
1: alcohol and drugs, that kind of took the toll on me, and I had to stop everything and get clean and sober in 1992.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that.
1: No, that's all good. It's part of my story. I'm I'm comfortable talking about it because I've been clean and sober for 28 years now, and that's kind of a thing that I'm proud about, one day at a time.
0: Well, congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a feat in itself, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: you know. Just, Alcoholism affects a lot of people, man. It's it's, it's, a, it's a horrible thing.
0: Yeah, it is. I've seen I've seen decline of many people with that stuff. So I, yeah, but I, there's hope. You know, there's hope. Yeah, I advocate for anyone to stay away from it. You know, on, mm-hmm. my, on my end. But um, and then at a high school, were you in any Tory mans or did it just start to kind of? Like... I
1: was in I was in a regionally touring band called Graffiti back in the day. Hmm. and, uh, and, and we, did, we did some Mexico dates and Southern California, but it wasn't until about 1995 when I, when I uh, joined a death metal band, Cadaverous Quartet, that had a label nice. in Tucson that I really started doing bigger shows.
0: And uh, when you say death metal at the time, was it more like you know, thrash metal or a blast
1: piece? Mm, no, death metal with a blender beat, and I was one of the only drummers that passed the audition. Really, and that was only because only because I got their CD and just went to town on it. You know, really worked <laughs> on it.
0: Now, uh, is there any similar practice routines you have then and now that you still do? Uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: I have a. I wrote a book, a self-published book called The Ritter Method, mm-hmm. that describes a, a couple warm-ups that I do, and and uh, I've gotten it down to where I can be completely cold and ready to do a real show in about 25 minutes. I got my whole thing planned out. So there are definitely warm-up routines that I have, and and there's a specific one I call the heater that I do. And uh, you know, basically your larger muscle groups first, Mm -hmm. warming up your body and the feet and the hands and going through different drills. And then um, the specific exercises before, I mean, I could list one of them that's really good as a, a, Uh, Leading with the right hand and then inserting the left hand and then coming out leading with the left hand and then inserting the right hand, um, called from Johnny Rabb that I got with his. uh, his, He did a DVD called 30 Days to Better Hands or something like that. I think I remember that one. uh, Yeah, it was a. It's a great. It's a great video. If you're if you're out there, look up Johnny Rabb. He's a hell of a drummer. He's another underrated cat. You know. Yeah, he, uh, he's an amazing drummer.
0: Didn't he beat the record for the fastest hands, or does Mike Mangini still? Yeah,
1: out? he was the fastest drummer in the world for a time. Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think Mike Mangini still holds it. I believe.
1: Mike Mangini, maybe I don't know. We'd have to look. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's there's some there's some crazy, crazy drummers out there. Yeah.
0: And then, uh, what experience were you just touring national with them or were you going uh, international?
1: No, I didn't. The, the, the tours I did, I left cadavers quartet. I was playing with a country band and a bad news blues band. And I ended up entering a a metal band that did the tour. We did a, we went from Arizona through Southern California up to Seattle Mm -hmm. in a band called Mac madness, action, and cause. And for part of the tour we opened up for Machine Head and then we did a couple dates with Ronnie James deal, which is kinda cool.
0: Oh yeah, that's big. Yeah,
1: nineteen ninety six to nineteen ninety seven. I kinda wrote some of this stuff out so I could be correct on my lineage here. <laughs> all so great.
2: that's
1: Mac just basically toured and opened for me Machine Head and Ronnie James deal And there there were different bands and you know, when we were in Tucson there's a club out here, uh, a venue called The Rock, and then another venue called The Rialto, mm-hmm. which national acts come through. And so we opened up for some bigger name bands, but those are the the two that stuck out because the guys Rob Flynn and the guys in Machine Head were just so cool to us. You know, what I mean, they just hung out and let us on their bus and hung out and rap for hours. And Ronnie and James Steele, I hung out with him and Vinnie Vinnie Apathy backstage and spent time with them talking and it was just really cool. It was like Ronnie James deal was like your uncle just sitting there talking and laughing.
0: Really? It was cool. Yeah. I know his wife is doing some foundation stuff right now, but that's on hold I just...
1: Yeah. Wendy deal was, was, was going to be our manager at one point, I think. And oh. then something happened and it fell through.
0: Oh man. Sorry to hear that. But she's super cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She uh, definitely supports what her husband does and going forward. Yeah. And then, um, it's good stuff. And the, after that, did you, did you continue to tour? Did you jump more into the lessons world?
1: No, we had, we had a falling out. I wasn't teaching lessons at that time. We had basically a falling out with the band in Seattle. And, uh, I mean, one time, um, it was just, it just got to the point where I felt like, you know, I wasn't be, I, I wasn't in a situation where I felt with like the other members were really pull in their weight as far as promoting, you know, when you're, when you're up late, Mm-hmm. And you, and you have to go to, you have to go burn your hands at taco time to pay a minimum wage job and you know, work, work, work the days just to kind of fund the expedition, to stay in the band to keep things going. It's hard to keep posting flyers and keep promoting shows when some of the other members in the band weren't doing what I felt was an equal share of the load. So it kind of gotten a falling out and I left and went to, went to live with my mom in Southern California with my tail between my legs in 1998. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but I, you know, landed a gig in in a country band on a Carnival cruise ship, and it would, ended up being my first real professional job as a drummer. And that was
0: 98 to 99. Nice. So. Yeah, just to kind of, uh, you kind of brought some nostalgia back. I remember having to go flyer, you know, the town or cities, and it wasn't. Oh, a, yeah. It wasn't an easy town you just sent out a a group invite and that's that you know but it was it was a yeah lot. exactly man it was a whole different world yeah it was a lot of you had to run to the copy store <laughs> get your yeah change. we had we had we had pagers <laughs> yeah yeah i remember we had to go pull out some change and get the five cent copies and run around yeah a day or two straight yep. and yeah that was a lot get of work. really
1: familiar with the guy from kinko's yeah <laughs>
0: But, uh, yeah, what I want to ask you is, you have a supreme showmanship with your stick twirling? When did that start to be incorporated into your show, or what time were you in?
1: I've been spinning sticks ever since I saw Robert Sweet and Tommy Lee play when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I saw saw Motley Crue open up for Ozzy Osbourne was my first concert. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and Tommy Lee came out and he just, he was spinning his drumsticks and grabbing his crotch and all the girls just went, ah, and I was like, Oh my God, I want to be like that guy. And it's something about the, something about Robert sweet and the cymbal swinging on the chains and the, the way that he had this flair with his drumsticks, he was using his sticks in between beats, spinning them and flipping them around. And it just kind of really got to me. I kind of been chasing that aspect of live performance ever since I saw those guys. But then, you know, with the Gene Krupa thing, there's a bunch of showmanship involved with that too. So Mm -hmm. that's always been in my playing baked in with that. I mean, when I did the um, cruise ship gig, they gave me drum solos. And one of the things I remember, a drummer named uncle Dave in Tucson, used to do a drum solo and he'd come walking around behind his kit and playing the floor and the cymbals and the stands, and then he'd play the club. He'd literally play the people's classes and everything during the solo mm-hmm. and i used to incorporate that in the in the country band on the cruise ship and so that's really where it took off as far as the theatrics that i do yeah. i kind of really put the foot to the pedal on that one and that's basically when i started doing the juggling thing successfully and you know i kind of kept doing that in my solos and that was like a big feature
0: yeah notice noticed i found that clip with you on letterman how was that to you at the time
1: Oh man, that was, that was terrifying. (laughs) That was terrifying. I practiced practiced that routine. I I came up with a routine because I knew I'd be super scared Mm -hmm. and I just practiced that routine and did it over and over and over. And finally when it came time to pull the trigger and they said, here you go, you know, I was able to land my move. So I'm, I'm very happy with how I did on that. I was in the green room, of uh, the Ed Sullivan theater on my knees in the bathroom praying <laughs> to God, saying, please don't let me embarrass my mom. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. Did you get a chance to talk to Anton Fagan or anything when you were there? No,
1: I didn't, man. They didn't have time to talk or something like that, but I did hang out with David Spade and Loretta Lynn. Oh, nice. And David, David Spade was hilarious, man. I was in the makeup thing and David said, he said, can I get a picture with you? And he said, absolutely. And I was like, he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm a stupid human trick. You know, I juggle the drumsticks and he's like, okay, whatever. You know, and, and then after I did my trick on the show, I came back and his entourage was walking on the top girders, and he looked down and he shouted at me and he said, Hey man. And I looked up and I was like, what's up? And he goes, dude, you said you were going to do something stupid. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen.
0: Awesome. It was cool. So uh, as far as, when, when was the time you started jumping into lessons uh, at that point? Was it after the touring or?
1: It was right after um, I got done touring. I I went from the Smoky River Band to the Carnival Cruise Ship thing, mm-hmm. back on land with the Bad News Blues Band from Tucson. And they hooked up with Long John Hunter at the Mountain of Blues Festival. Mm-hmm. And Long John Hunter was a, a signed artist to Alligator's Blues Records and uh, a touring artist, and we ended up touring the world with him for two to three years until about 2003. Um, In 2001, but September 11th kind of shut us down for about six, seven months. But we went back out and then came back around 2003 is when I started Lessons. A drummer named James Cousins had people, had a drum teaching thing at the the music store down here in town, and he said, I'm moving, I'm going to start a school of rock, in California and I'd like you to take over the students. And I was like, I have no idea how to teach, you know, I don't know, you know, what the deal with the teaching is. And he's like, Oh man, it's not a big deal. I can show you. And he helped me learn how to start teaching drums. And that's when I began teaching professionally, uh, along with playing in 2003. Nice. So what is that? Like that's 17 years. Mm-hmm. I've been a professional teacher and performer for that time too. Nice, All And right. I kept playing with different bands. There's there's still more bands I have on my list over here.
0: Oh, nice. Well, let me know a little bit about them while you're out of there. Well, then um, the next, the,
1: I was playing with Bad News Blues Band. We went with Lockdown Hunter through Europe, Mexico City, and Canada, and Romania, Russia, and Turkey. And then I hooked up with a guy named Mr. Boogie Woogie, which is the best piano player in Europe. And he's just an amazing, he's from the Netherlands. And he saw me playing when he came out on an exchange program with Lisa Otay, who's another artist I work with in Tucson. He came out and saw me play and said, I want to take you out with me. So I went to Europe and France and Italy with him. And that was in 2004, right before I did the Late Show thing. Mm -hmm. And then in 2005, I went back over to France with Lisa Otay and the Desert Divas, which is a group I still play with. And then in 2007, I joined a reggae band from Tucson called Neon Prophet which had been like a, they're like an institution man. they've been playing grandkids of, 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 of theirs have have, uh, gone and see their band. I mean, I was, I was with Neon prophet and teaching from 2007 to 2015. And then I hooked up with Neiman Lyles, a contemporary Christian artist on Sony and I played a few shows with him. And then I joined the church over here and started playing with East side assembly and started teaching in their student center. I moved out of the music store and basically, the last band I really did was my own band called Chip Ritter and the Bipolar Bears, hmm. which the proceeds from my album and all online sales go directly to benefit the DBSA, the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance.
0: Oh, nice. Awesome.
1: Yeah. I have got a, I wrote a country song for my brother, Ken. My brother Ken lives in Pensacola and goes fishing all the time. And I was with my aunt and him at my aunt's house. And I said, man, tell me about the rods and the gear that you use and what kind of boat is that you fish on. And I'm going to write you a song. And he's like, no, man, you got to come fishing first to really write a song about it. Yeah. And I got in a fight with him about it. So I ended up, you know, flying out and going on his boat. And then I wrote a song on the airplane home and it's called can I go fishing? And I got Vince Moreno from Nashville, a, a heavy country singer. He plays with Neil McCoy and those cats. But I got Vince Moreno to sing the track, and then we professionally recorded it at OG7 Studios in Tucson, and that became a regional hit in the southern southeast of uh, America. So it's been played on the radio before. That's about the big, biggest song I've been involved in, and that's from Chip Ritter and the Bipolar Bears.
0: Oh, nice. Now, since we're kind of touching that subject, what foundations – I know you're a big advocate for different foundations, but which ones are you working for right now and helping out? Nope.
1: The the main one I'm working with right now is a foundation called Breast cancer can stick it, founded by a drummer from Dallas. Her name is April Samuels, a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I got in touch with her through a friend, a mutual friend on Facebook. We were at the NAMM show in 2015 and my friend David Betts from, from England was a, uh, is a follower of hers. And he said, Hey April, you need to go meet my friend Chip. He juggles sticks and he's this great drummer and all this stuff. And April came by the Humes and Berg booth where one of my endorsements is Humes and Berg manufacturing when they had me out to NAMM and they had the drum set up at their booth and I was doing the juggling thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a, a viral video that came from that. Um, if you look it up, uh, my buddy Christopher Ritter playing a simple groove, I don't know if you've seen that video, but it's got like, 10 million views on it most likely Pretty
0: cool. I, I kind of went through your YouTube channel and scanned as much as I could but most likely I saw it yeah it, that was
1: recorded in the front of the Humes and Berg cases booth and that's when I met April she she came up and said hi I'm a German from Dallas I'm a breast cancer survivor triple negative breast cancer survivor which is a huge deal and, and uh, she's dedicated her life to uh, to fighting breast cancer and so her foundation breast cancer can stick it has an annual event every year in Dallas which is called the drumathon and they basically fundraise for 3 months out of the year and and it's like a contest like the the highest fundraisers in the top 10 get to come up and play a drum solo at the park and man i wish you guys could see it it's a, it's like one of the best drum festivals i've ever been to and it's all to fight breast cancer all the all the proceeds go to breast cancer can stick it foundation and they pay for underprivileged people to get mammograms so they can afford testing. And they also give Texas oncology a bunch of money for, for research and trials. I mean, it just all goes, it's one of the best uh, foundations I've ever been involved in as far as charities. I mean, it's the most transparent and legit charities you can find. A lot of charities, you know, a lot of charities aren't really transparent with their funds. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like we want to help the we want to help the homeless, and you write them a check for ten thousand dollars, and then three months later you're like, "Where'd my money go?" And they're like, "Um, we're helping the homeless." Yeah, and the, you know what I mean, like, dude. Well, how are you helping the homeless? Like, yeah. we're <laughs> with with the Breast Cancer Consticket it Foundation. It's it's pretty obvious what they're doing with the money.
0: Okay, and then as far as so where that's to,
1: what I'm doing is I'm raising money for them with Team Ritter. Uh,
0: that's that's great, but where to find them is uh, what was it called? Their social media. I kind of want to plug them there for you.
1: Uh Breast Cancer Can Stick It Foundation or they can go to uh dot org.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure I share a link for you on this video for that. Yeah, um I appreciate
1: that man. Thank you. Yeah and thank you. A you, you... Pause. And the drumathon's October fourth this year and it's gonna be a virtual event online only. Okay. But uh, anybody interested watching or listening to this podcast. Check out org and April Samuels. It's a great bunch of people.
0: All right, I'll be sure to plug that. Therefore, um, as far thank as your, you, man. Yeah, no problem. As far as your, I know you advocate for mental awareness and all that stuff. Is there any other uh, uh, links that you would like me to share?
1: Well, the DBSL, um, it's uh, it's the Depression and Bipolar Support Group, and uh, I mean, there's just let me let me look something up
2: here while I'm.
0: No, worse. no
2: worries. The DBSA. Um, I don't
1: have their website in front of me, man.
0: No, it's, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it after the show and I'll, I'll make sure I get it up.
1: It's the depression and bipolar support Alliance.
2: Nice.
0: And
1: they run a hotline and a national network for people that are suffering from bipolar mm. um, to get support. And so like that's when I'm not, when I'm not fundraising for April, I'm supporting them and, and sending them money when we do donate. When it, like if I sell some CDs or if I get some, I got a juggling video on my website that's uh, it's, it's priced out ridiculous price. It's $52 for a 15 minute video on exactly how to juggle the drumsticks while you're playing the drums. It's called The Drummer's Guide to Juggling. And 100% of the proceeds from that go to the DBSA. Oh cool. So that's all my online income basically gets donated to them to help to help support people with bipolar because it's a huge, it's a huge thing to me. I'm, I'm type one bipolar and I've suffered with it since I was a young child. Oh Oh, And I'm on medication. I got therapy. I'm, I'm doing what I need to do to maintain it. But you know, any, any day, could hit me and jump out of the bushes on me. And it's it's something that I I take very seriously that's near to my heart. So helping other people that suffer from that is is a big deal. If you think about it, Dustin, there's there's somewhat of a choice when you have a choice to go to the bar and get a beer, Mm -hmm. but then somebody with bipolar doesn't really have a choice. You know what I mean? It's not like they decided to have bipolar. You're kind of born that way. Mm -hmm. And so I, I look at it in a different way than I do as far as just regular sobriety.
0: Yeah, that's all good stuff. I mean, I, I commend you, and I could donate. I mean, but, yeah, that's great. I, I, I'd be happy to help you in any way I can with all that good stuff. Thanks, man. Yeah. And to kind of uh, jump on to your net, the next subject, uh, I, I know you're a big endorser for Chick Drums, and you have the iconic, uh, what would you call fluorescent green?
1: No, yeah, they call it Chipper. They have my own color at the factory. It's called Chip Ritter Green. Nice, nice. And it's basically neon green. It's a neon green powder coat with gold flake in it.
0: Yeah, I've been. I've, a, I've never seen that kit since I was a kid. Just you know, when the internet was coming up, and um, yeah, and it's just a, it's more of an iconic looking kit, in my opinion.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I, and they over at Trick Drums, I'm what they call one of their legacy artists.
0: Nice, nice. Just
1: because I've been with them since they since they were coming up, you know what I mean? Back in the day when they were first, when Mike Dorfman was carrying snare drums over to drag races, <laughs> you know what I mean? I met I met Bob Fisher, and and he turned me on to Mike and Mike turned me on to the whole situation of an aluminum drum. And, you know, that story is, that's a hairy snare, dude, an aluminum snare drum. Mm -hmm. I was sitting there going, there's no way, dude. I just dumped all this money into my Mapex Orion. Mm -hmm. Before that, I had a DW satin oil finish. I had, like, the Cadillac Mapex kit, Mm -hmm. and I was in love with it. You know what I mean? I dumped all my credit card money into that thing. And Mike Dorfman was sitting there going, well, you haven't, you got to try the aluminum. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not playing aluminum, man. You know what I mean? Come on, you're crazy. <laughs> There's no way that thing's gonna sound like ass. Uh-huh. No way, you know? And got a snare drum and I never looked back. The snare drum burnt the hair off my eyebrows, man. It was just, it's just another level of instrument. Mm-hmm. And people, people that um, look at my relationship with Trick Drums, sometimes drummers are just like, why are you with Trick Drums? What is, it's like a small company from Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a small custom shop. And they're still small as far as the drums they build, but the product that they make is at that next level, dude. It's like a violin. If you can't play, the drums are gonna tell everybody about it. You yeah, know,
0: yeah.
1: it's it's a crazy, crazy thing. And their pedals are, you know, it's like their pedals left their parents on Krypton too. They just, <laughs> I don't know, if you, if you gave the government all the money in the world and said, you know what I mean, we wanna make drums and pedals for our country, trick would probably be at the forefront just like nasa yeah
0: <laughs> that's all good stuff so uh what drummers are you watching right now who do you think's coming up and uh, you're kind oh of... man uh i know it's a broad they, question i'm sorry but it,
1: that's was... okay there's a there's a cat i'm watching i'm good friends with named austin ware mm-hmm. he's uh he's called the tiktok drummer and he's got a big huge fan base he's like he's verified and he's just huge on tiktok mm-hmm. but he's not huge on youtube or instagram yet yep. he's, he's kind of working up his channels and he's slowly but surely getting out there but he does these wild you know 30 second drum cover videos and and it's very artistic but he's also super talented mm-hmm. like when I listen if you listen to him play there's a musicianship that's on that next level and he's one of the hot kids that I'm looking at all the time. I'm like, I'm looking, if he put the video out, I'm watching it. Even if it's one of the silly ones where they're pouring paint all over the drums and he's hitting the drums and the paint splatters up and oh, it's on the canvas.
0: I've, I've seen him. I've been watching this stuff. Now I know who you're talking about. Yeah, man, He's don't underestimate him for
1: the, for the showmanship aspect of what he's doing. Listen to what he's playing on some of the stuff. He's, he's got some chops, man. He's really up there. I'm also a big fan of Eric Moore. I have been, I've been friends with him for a long time. He was getting kicked out of the NAMM show 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. They were trying to kick him out because <clears throat> he didn't have a pass or something like that. And I was like, dude, that's Eric Moore. Are you kidding me? You know, you're crazy. let he's with us. He's good. I promise. You know, and ever since then we've been really fast friends and got his cell phone and text him every now and then do every now and then he'll give me a shout out for one of my causes.
0: You and said the the NAM show there, right? Is that what you said? <clears throat> yeah, that's when I met Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Have you been going to those recently, or is that that I've been I've been going
1: through ever since two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. I've been going to the NAM show as a trick
0: drums artist. Oh, nice. Yeah, I saw some of your videos there too. But sorry to interrupt you about Eric Moore.
1: I'm sorry for talking so
0: long. No. I, I <laughs> you
1: get me going on something. I, I don't. I don't want to take your show from you, man. No, no, this that's is all, your
0: show. No, you're the guest, and I want you to you know. Speak about yourself. It's all good, man. So do you still talk to Eric more there?
1: Yeah, every now and then from time to time. Like, I'll text, He's one of those cats who's super busy. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'll text him, and nothing will come back for a week. <laughs> and so then I'll text him again. And then finally I'll just call him. And yes. he'll pick up the phone and be like, dude, what's up? Oh, yeah, man. Hey, I've been flying. I got this going on. I got that. He's got his own stick company called Dope Stick. Nice. You know what I mean? He's doing he's doing a lot of stuff all the time. So he's one of those cats that's really busy. I'm friends with, because I juggle and because I've been to the Nam show juggling for this many years, you end up attracting all kinds of drummers Mm. because of the juggling, right? So some of the most biggest famous drummers in the world are friends of mine now Mm -hmm. because I juggle and I kind of use that in a networking sense shamelessly, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To, To become friends with drummers like Chris Adler or, you know, Ray Luzier. We could just name drop for about a month. Now. Yeah,
0: I took some lessons with Ray there. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. No, but you're also a good drummer. Don't forget that. I mean, like I watch you. I mean, I don't say that lightly. You're a very good drummer.
1: Well, I appreciate that, man. I work a lot on drumming outside of juggling. The, the juggling just to be just happens to be one of the biggest eye catcher things that I do. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's a that's a good that's a good thing to talk about. How do you feel about showmanship and stick tricks?
0: I think someone that isn't a drummer and then watches it attracts them. You know, I think in, as far as the entertainment aspect and that's what drummers are entertainers. I think that's a big part of the show, but, mm-hmm. but like I was saying, you're a good drummer. I think you can kind of tell the people that, that will sit there in this twirl sticks and not be able to play. And those are the people I lose respect for. But when the guys like you that have a balance, you know, that's why you're successful in what you do.
1: I appreciate that, man. That's a, that's an interesting topic. You know, Drumeo did a post on Instagram, recently and they said stick tricks uh yes or no showmanship is important to drumming and then on the comment though when they put the little text underneath the picture they said stick tricks yay or nay Mm -hmm. and so it was kind of like a on purpose polar jared does this sometimes where he's like on purposely making it a polarizing thing you know what i mean so Uh it's like he took it out of context and if you sit there and you say chip how do you feel about stick tricks when I think of a young drummer coming in for drum lessons, I think of how many, how many students have I ever taught a stick trick to, And it's few and far between.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't really, I don't really ever get to the subject to be honest with you, man. Like there's, there's a couple drummers that come in and they ask me about showmanship and stick tricks. But when I, when it comes to teaching music, I don't, you know, stick tricks are like one of the very last things that I'll even talk about. Yes. You know, I think that gets missed when you go online.
0: Well, when you play anywhere, I mean, what, 85%, 90% of the people watching your band or you perform aren't drummers. So, I mean, you're entertaining. Mm-hmm. So that's where I see the plus in it. You know what I mean? And then the people that that's are.
1: That's another good point in it. You know, there's a reason they put lights on the stage so you can see what's going on.
0: Yeah, and if so I wasn't. you
1: can see the people performing.
0: If I wasn't a musician, and regardless if it was a big venue, cruise ship, et cetera, I'd be entertained watching you. Yeah, and that's, I think, mm-hmm. and that's why. Thanks, man. That's why you do good. Uh, you know what I mean? That's- well,
1: dude, I mean drummers, drummers like Ray Luzier. You know, Ray Ray's a monster. Yeah, right. Yeah, and he'll throw a drumstick way up in the air and spin it. Mm-hmm. And and people, you know, a lot of people online aren't hating on him for throwing a drumstick up in the air. No. So it's kind of like, okay, wh- part of part of what I do is the juggling trick, and it's like, dude, I don't, I don't, I I'll pull out my juggling anytime I want. I had a friend of mine who was an old manager of mine set me up with an appointment with a very famous drummer to ask him some career advice. Mm -hmm. And I talked, I sat with this guy at club Congress, another venue in Tucson and I asked him, what do you think I should do? Take a look at me and what I'm doing here. And and one of the first things he told me was like, stop juggling. You don't want to become the juggling guy. Mm -hmm. Just stop doing stick tricks altogether. Just stop that. Start being serious about your music. And then he started saying, and look at your business card you got these logos and your sponsors on there, you need to take those logos off your business card. And something else he was talking about, and I really got bummed out because what he was advising was in a different direction than what I wanted to be headed in as a drummer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And my friend Jeff told me, "Is like, dude, did the guy tell you to overdose on heroin too? Oh my God, Like, <laughs> what other advice did he give you? Yeah. He's like, we're gonna take everything that that guy said not to do, and we're upset. gonna times it by 10.
0: Yeah.
1: I want you to juggle every time you're in front of a crowd, I want you to become the juggling drummer and absolutely that would be a great way to go. And, and Peter Erskine kind of said the same thing to me. I met him at NAMM we were talking about, you know, um, he, he said you, you found your own like niche in that thing and you should make a DVD on that. Yeah. You should do a DVD on stick tricks because of all the cats that are out there doing it, you're probably one of the most qualified to teach it. Mm-hmm. So does Peter Erskine support stick tricks? not necessarily. You know what I mean?
2: But He respects he, he
1: talks it. about, there's always going to be, yeah, but he respects that. There are drummers that are interested in things like that and there's a need, there's a niche for it. Mm-hmm. There is a, there's a place and a purpose for every drummer doing everything. Whoever's listening to this thinking about, yeah, should I add more stick trickster? It's all about what do you have, what do you have to bring to the table? And everybody's got something to bring to the table, you know, yeah. just, the stick tricks is one of my favorite aspects of drumming, so I end up doing it a lot.
0: Yeah, not to sound cliche, sometimes it's better to focus on your strengths and not so much your weaknesses, you know?
1: Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of people that do a lot of things, and it you know, comes down to what, is, what are you trying to get out of the? Is it making you happy? If it's making you happy, then go do more of that.
0: Yeah, you got to have personality, we'll, regardless of whatever you do, you play guitar or drums. I mean, if you don't have your sound or your look or show, I mean, then you're just yeah. like everybody else, so...
1: I, I talked. yeah, we talked about, uh, I have another group that I'm, I'm working with DTap called drummers <clears throat> drum teachers at play mm-hmm. D tap and uh, Bart Robley and Rick Stojak, good friends of mine have come together and we're, we're, we're coming alongside each other with our own pirate ships and we're forming a network of drum teachers and we got big things in store for that. I'm really excited about it. But one of the things that we talked about is when it comes to career advice with other drummers or younger drummers, Um, being able to play is like, that's supposed to be a given, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like when you're talking about career stuff, you need to be able to play music in all kinds of forms. Uh, you need to be able to play all kinds of feels. There's, there's all kinds of aspects to talking about drumming and careers that you kind of like that go without saying, like it's assumed that you can play Mm -hmm. when we get to even talk about a a career, you know?
0: since we're on so when that when I
1: see when I see somebody playing and doing a drumstick trick, and when they lose their sense of time because they do the trick, I'm against that too. And like you said, I lose I lose respect for them as a player because I'm like you're kind of violating the first and foremost rule of drumming, which is to keep time and provide a solid foundation for the mm-hmm. music.
0: Mm-hmm. And since we're on that subject, do you think social media is hurting or helping drummers coming up? Like, since there's so many outlets now.
1: I think it's, I think social media is like money. I think it expands and enlarges what's already there. Yeah. Is that a good thing? I don't know. It depends on how it's being used. It's like fire. You can cook with it or you can burn the house down. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like electricity. You can use it to cook a, cook a meal or, or heat a house or you know, cool a house off or you can also electrocute somebody with it. So it's like, It's it's its own thing. Social media is social media helping drumming. Mm, Depends on the people, man. Yeah, depends on the people. There's there's some great groups out there that are helping drummers, Mm -hmm. and because of social media, they're able to help more drummers. You know the the Phoenix area drummers, Matt Indies, all those guys.
0: Oh yeah, I just had him on. So shout out to Matt there. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to Matt, dude. A
1: bunch great group. That's that's one of my favorite Facebook groups. It's one of the most supportive uh positive encouraging groups to be a member of
0: yeah they're actually helping me so much uh in this last week or so they featured me in the show and i was like wow yeah i, mean, I saw that Ren. i read all about you yeah i, I didn't want to tell my but whole life cool. story but you know i mean i just wanted to get the name out there and you know interview guys like you and you know i just kind of build a foundation around it and matt's been 100 percent cool you know what i mean yeah there's
1: a there's a group a a great bunch of guys man and and if you're not if you didn't check out the Matt Indies podcast that Darren does does doesn't does go check it out man it's cool
0: oh thank you appreciate that now yeah uh,
1: man and let me know however I can plug your channel let me know man because I'll I'll be out there swinging for the fences with you too
0: oh yeah we'll go over that when we're done here but yeah I mean um, I really want to thank you for being on today and um, where can we find you though more importantly um, what what are the best places to check you out look at your uh, books on
1: Google chip Ritter mm-hmm. and then stuff will come up and then my website is com, where you can buy that lesson, the drummer's guide to juggling. I've also got some other lessons on there for sale. There's a, uh, a Facebook page, but I'm not. I'm not really that active on my official Facebook page. It's so weird. Yeah, Facebook face, is a very
0: I'll, gray area now.
1: <laughs> I usually I usually operate on my personal uh, personal Facebook page, which is Facebook.com/sneareforce1 with the number one.
0: Mm-hmm. And then Snare Force One. And then YouTube, I found you on Chip Ritter, simply just searching that, so that was an easy one.
1: Chip Ritter or Ritter Method is the channel name, but yeah, Chip Ritter will find it. That'll be out there, and there's, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure what direction I'm going to take my YouTube, but I'm going to just keep putting stuff up that I think is worth watching, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's like energy versus time versus money versus, you know, I'm going to get a lot more joy out of teaching these local students and a much more much more powerful instant reward out of that action than spending you know five hours a day trying to promote my channel without a, a specific direction in mind. So I've always always kind of tried to balance my life and work like that. So I haven't really put together a big plan for my channel to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, for what it's worth, I, I dove into the rabbit hole with your channel. It's all great stuff. I advise anyone to go out there and check it out. You'll learn a couple things. But, yeah, uh, once again, thank you very much for being on the show today, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. Yeah, and then just to plug the, the show, we're on the obvious, the YouTube, the Facebook, the Apple, and the Spotify to check us out. If you enjoy it, share it to some friends and a lot of good stuff coming. Thanks again, Chip, once again.
1: Hey, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Hi, this is Chip Ritter and you're listening to The Harry Man Show. I wanted to thank Trick Drums, Peisty Cymbals, Aquarian Drumheads, Agner Drumsticks, and Skygel Damper Pads for having me on and for the support over the years. Check out more of the Harry Man Show on this podcast as you're listening to right now.